Thank you for tuning in to the Mile 40 podcast. I am Beshoy Tadros, the author of Break Barriers and Audacious, both of which are sold on Amazon. And I invite you to join me as I engage with guests to discuss those bounce back moments that we encounter on our personal journey. Mile 40 is a forum to learn about how athletes, professionals, and leaders of all backgrounds stare down moments in life where the only option is to rise up. The Mile 40 podcast strives to remind listeners that the comeback is always greater than the setback. Welcome back to another episode of the Mile 40 Podcast. I'm excited to dive right in today. Today, we have Dr. Andrew Shahada. Andrew currently is finishing his internal medicine residency in New Jersey. He's going to be starting his fellowship in gastroenterology this coming July. He's always loved health, fitness, and bodybuilding. We're going to dive into that. Throughout the years, even in medical school and residency, he's taken pride in still cooking his meals, meal prepping, working out as best as he can to stay healthy, and always working on improving his physique. Throughout med school and into residency, he's always wanted to be a GI doctor. He wanted not only to help people who suffer with GI malignancies, most notably colon cancer, but to help those who suffer from GI issues and help incorporate incorporating his knowledge and own lifestyle practice of nutrition to instill it onto his patients. Andrew, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Rashad. It's an absolute pleasure. Of course, man. Of course. Um, you know, I, I kind of cut off the bio and then that's starting to become a routine on this podcast. I'm getting these elaborate bios here and I could spend minutes going through it, but I figured it would save time to to run through everything uh, live. Um, you know, one of the things about you that kind of stands out, and I've known you now for several years, is the fact that you've gone down this path that you chose to pursue medicine, in particular GI. And um, I always knew you because of the ethic that you put into the gym. Um, and, and that's one of the things that, you, that stood out about you. But I remember when you started going down this course, I thought to myself, you know, I'm sure he's going to try to keep it up, but I can't imagine someone... Uh, you know, finding the time in the midst of what he's pursuing right now to um, keep it up at the level you were going at. So let, let's start there a little bit with regards to the intersection of your love for fitness and the career that you're chasing down. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly what you said. You know, even myself at times, I had doubts, you know, if I could be able to still do what I do fitness wise while going through medical school and whatnot. Um, but I love it. You know, I love fitness. I love nutrition aspect. I love cooking my own meals. You know, I just love feeling healthy. I love feeling good about myself. You know, I I don't think people should live their life, you know, not feeling good about themselves, feeling sluggish, tired, the weight gain, these kind of things. Um, you know, so my love for fitness and passion was been there since maybe 2013. And then obviously, once I started getting into medicine, you know, with medical school and whatnot, then I started to say, hey, look, I can actually make an impact on people's lives. You know, besides just being that doctor that writes prescriptions all day and whatnot, I didn't want to be that kind of a doctor. You know, it's kind of like what you said. I wanted to set my own path. You know, I wanted to to take the person, take the patient, say, hey, let's dive, let's dive deep. What's really going on? How can I make you healthier? How can I make you better? How can I make you more optimized? You know, so with that knowledge and what I, you know, do on a daily basis with fitness and nutrition and my medical knowledge. You know, that's how I wanted to incorporate it now, you know, and just 
help as many people as I can. I love that. And, you know, when we spoke before we recorded, you told me that you always wanted to go into gastroenterology. Why? Why gastroenterology? Yeah, good question, you know, because uh, it's definitely an interesting place to be. <laughs> it is. You're dealing with a lot of holes, you know, a lot of poop. Mm. To be quite honest with you, a few reasons. One, it was the subject in med school that always clicked with me. I just I always understood it the best. I can read that chapter all day and get it versus if I like study the heart. You know, I can read it all day. I hate it. I can never get it. Um, so that was one reason, but also really because of the nutrition aspect. A lot of people don't realize this, you know, the the mind to gut aspect, right? Um and I'm a firm believer that it all starts there. You know, if you take care of your body, you put in the right things in your body, right? You're going to be amazing elsewhere with everything else. And also because I wanted to make a difference with those with colon cancer. Um, you know, I knew I never wanted to do surgery, um, you know, where a lot of them can, you know, resect tumors and these kind of things. I didn't want to go the hematology oncology route. So for me, gastroenterology was the perfect balance because I can not only, you know, diagnose patients, but at the same time, technically I can treat them by means of colonoscopies, let's say, right? Colonoscopy is one of those interventions where you go through, um, you know, the anal canal and the colon. And if you see a polyp, right, which can be potentially become cancerous, I can remove it on the spot. Yeah. You know, and that can save someone's life. So I'm guessing you're the kind of person that eats to fuel, right? Like you you are constantly fueling yourself and and, and kind of being conscious of uh, what goes into your body. Um, you know, we even talked about in your bio, you meal prep every week. Um, let's talk a little bit about that for the listeners to kind of give them insight um, into some of the things that they should be considering. Like I, I myself um, over the last year have been really conscious and even though I'm a runner, have been really conscious of my protein intake and, you know, it, it didn't hit me for a long time how important uh, getting my macros were, especially when it comes to protein as a runner, uh, because you kind of think, oh, like I, I'm not a bodybuilder. I'm not in the gym all the time. It's not that important. But, um, you know, when you think about recovery um, and what proteins do for recovery, it's actually very important. Um, so let, let's talk about that a little bit and, and maybe not in the context of a, a runner or a bodybuilder, just such as yourself, but maybe the average person? Yeah. So I think a lot of it first comes down to consistency. And it's kind of like what you said myself. I don't eat for taste. I eat for fuel. I literally eat the same foods every day. I've had the same breakfast for the past few years now. Don't get me wrong. I love to go out you know, to dinner with the girlfriend, enjoy some nice food here and there when I can. But first and foremost, it's all about consistency. And the biggest, you know, misconception that a lot of people have, unfortunately, is that one dieting has to be boring or it has to be difficult or you have to go to such super extremes where you have to restrict yourselves. Um, you know, so even if you're just a normal person, right, if you're not that active, you know, whether you're a runner or a weight trainer or anything like that, it's still important knowing what you're putting in your body. You know, most of the people that I see or that I, I deal with at the hospital, whatever it is, I ask them, hey, what do you eat for breakfast? And they'll tell me, oh, just a bowl of cereal, a granola bar. You know, that's not how you fuel yourself. That's not nutritious. That gives you zero nutritional content, right? Versus having, 
you know, whatever it is, some oatmeal, some eggs, right? You're having your balanced macronutrients, as you said. And for you yourself, you even mentioned it. Once you notice or you recognize the macros you needed to hit, then everything else became a little bit more, you started to notice your progress. A lot of people don't realize how much food they're intaking and at the same accord, not. Um, you know, so I think those are definitely important things that people have to realize and, and just learn. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely interesting. And I think um, a lot of time people hear the word macros and they think, oh, that's only for for the pros or that's really only for, um, you know, the, the real gym rats. Like, I, I don't need to worry about macros. Um, what do you have to say to someone who kind of like goes about it that that way, you know, from a mindset perspective? You'll never make progress that way. You'll never, you know, especially for those that want to lose weight. Unless you're counting exactly what it is that you're putting in your body, you'll never know. You know, a lot of people say, yeah, I, uh, I'm going to have a salad for lunch. But that salad, right, it sounds good, but it consists of all the oils, the dressings, you know, higher fat content items, you know, like the avocados, which are good. Don't get me wrong, but it's never the serving size, right? A lot of people don't realize how much a serving size is. Like for me, I weigh my food out, right? So a lot of people don't realize what an actual cup of rice is, you know, what a serving size of peanut butter is, avocado is, you know, so for those people that say, hey, that's not for me, you know, I just want to lose weight. Really, at the end of the day, it's how much you're putting in versus how much you're putting out. So at least you can control how much you're putting in. That gives you the accurate, you know, guidance and just how to proceed with your diet, really. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, I wasn't expecting to go down this route, but again, that's the beauty of of this show is sometimes it takes on a life of its own. Uh, you know, and and no doubt about it. You know, if anyone listening has any questions, I'm sure Andrew would love to to field them for you. Um, I could go down a rabbit hole uh, okay. with regards to uh, this topic, but I want to dive into a little bit around your journey. Um, I know from knowing you that. Um, this path wasn't easy at, at all. I know that uh, you know people who knew you before you decided to go down this route. Um, you know, saw you as a gym rat, saw you as someone um, who you know was kind of an independent thinker um, right. that you know was clearly beating to the tune of his own drum. Um, and then you know, once you decided to take this route, um, like I mentioned when we kicked off this episode. It was hard to believe that you were going to continue to succeed uh, doing that and also get to this goal. I want to talk a little bit about some of the difficulties that you faced along the way. So walk us through some of it. So I definitely had a lot, a lot of difficulties. For whatever reason, my whole life, I've always been like that underdog. Don't know why, you know. Um, you know, so just starting off, you know, with college, right? College went pretty well. Um Took my MCAT, I did horrible, right? MCAT is the exam that you have to take before you get into medical school. And I did horrible on it. You know, I, I pretty much failed it, really. You know, I had to take it, uh, I think, another two tries. And in between that, by the time I graduated college, I had a two-year gap before I even got into medical school. You know, I had to do a master's program. You know, even then, I didn't get accepted that following year to that same school where I did my master's. Um, but I kept pushing. 
I kept pushing. I didn't give up. I knew the goal and the dream that I had. I refused to, you know, to give up on it. So after three long years after graduating college, great, finally accepted into med school. And at that point, you know, I moved to West Virginia from New York, which it itself was a horrible transition. You know, I thought West Virginia was going to be great, but um, it's not like home. It's not like New York. So that added a lot of stress as is. But even then, when I started, you know, I always heard everyone say, you know, or make fun of me um, that I wasn't going to be able to continue the gym and eating well. And once I'm in med school, I'm going to lose it all and gain a whole bunch of weight. I refused. I refused to be another number. I refused to be another person that goes, you know, through this route or just in life and go down that path. I refuse. I mean, even then, a lot of people were surprised that I got accepted. You know, I don't, at least at that time, up until recently, you know, I, you would have never known that I was involved in this field or trying to get into this field. I never posted things online and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but then when I got to medical school, first two years were rough. Um, I went through a lot. I mean, I was very depressed, you know, being away from home, being around, you know, a culture and a group of people that didn't understand me. They couldn't relate to me. I couldn't relate to them. I was probably one of the most ethnic people that was there, right? A lot of my classmates were from West Virginia. They never stepped foot outside of there. Yeah. Um, You know, but either way, as I went through it, I went through med school, at least the first two years with no issues, right? The classes, the core, core classes. And then, you know, one of my biggest downfalls was that I failed my step one boards. Um. And I'm okay saying that, you know, a lot of people would probably say, oh, no, why are you saying that? That's a bad look. Man, I don't care. You know, you have to embrace the failures. Without all these failures that I have, I wouldn't be as successful as I am currently. Um, So I failed step one. And what's funny is when I failed it, um, they told me, they said, you now have a very low probability to even get accepted for residency definitely good luck trying to go back home to do residency in new york or new jersey right back home around here um and also they told me that i'm going to need a few months now to study i said no way i'm studying as we speak i'm taking it in four weeks Mm. they were trying to push me back yeah to delay my graduation because of it i refused i said i'm studying right now i'm taking it i actually already paid for my test Thank you very much. Took it in four weeks. And every week they were emailing me saying, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? And there were periods of time where I, I had a little bit of self-doubt, I'll be honest. But I used all of that as fuel. I took that test. I crushed it. Handed it to them. They were surprised. They couldn't believe it. After four weeks, I crushed it. I pretty much like doubled my score somehow <laughs> by the grace of God. Um so that was one setback, right? And then the third and fourth year, right, is rotations. Um, you know, third year was still rough. I was still in West Virginia. A lot of ups and downs with that. Uh, and then fourth year, which was 2020, uh, pretty much at the start of the pandemic, um, just because I had no way to come back to New York, New Jersey to do rotations and showcase myself. I didn't match. I didn't match residency. You know, um, no one knows that. 
And like I said, I'm okay saying that now. You know, I I have no shame because there's thousands of people, thousands of med students that go unmatched. You know, they don't have a residency spot. I've known people that have had to wait three, four years just to get residency. Um, you know, so that itself was, you know, obviously a failure in my end, but a blessing because pretty much, you know, right, the pandemic happened. Um, and then I kept reaching out to programs. I said, I refuse to go by a year after graduating med school and not starting residency. Impossible. So I was emailing program after program after program every single day. I would pre-draft emails and then send them all that morning. And I had one program reach out to me. I actually had a few. But one of them reached out to me and said, hey, you open for an interview? We have spots open. I took it within five minutes. Program director said, if I send you the contract now, will you sign it? I said, I'll personally come here to New Jersey and start right now as we huh. speak. You know, That's amazing. Yeah. And thankfully there, boom, I got my internal med residency. So to recap, you failed your MCATs. You failed step ones. You did not get into a residency. But one of the things that I love about this is that... and, And this came up on the podcast before. This is a field that is constantly weaning people out. Like That is what it is known for. And you know, you had several, several openings to just say, I'm out. I'm not yeah. doing this anymore. Uh, but that didn't even seem like it was an option once um, throughout this process. Um, and so, you know, my next question is, who are you fighting? Are you fighting yourself? Are you fighting, you know, the the idea that other people maybe didn't think that you would make it? Um, or is it really just this deep commitment to making an impact? Um, and it could be a mixture of both, but you know, let, let's dive into your psyche a little bit. It's, um, it's definitely a mixture. It's one always having, I have high standards for myself. I have high standards for myself. I have high standards for how I want to live, how I want to continue living. Um, but really why I do it is because like I said, I've always been an underdog. For whatever reason, you know, I always keep to myself, stay in my own lane. And every time I've gone through, you know, these stages, I've always had, I've had people try and stop me or have just doubted me, been negative towards me. And, you know, part of the fight is, you know, internally, but against them. I take that energy. I take those comments. You know, I take all these things and I remember them. It sounds dark. But that's how sometimes you have to go to those kind of places. You know, that's where MJ always went. Jordan always always heard everything. I took things very personally. Oh, you said I can't do it? No problem. You can't do it. Don't put self-limitations on me. You know, maybe you can't. I can't. Actually, I'm doing it right now as we speak. So a lot of it is for those people that are always against me. Um... But even more so as I've matured and have grown uh, and grown older is to do it for the people that have supported me. You know, while I have a lot of people who unfortunately have been against me, I also at the same accord have a lot of people who have supported me and have been there for me, have stuck by my side, have checked in with me. You know, so it's for those people to do right for them. And it's to make an impact. You know, I didn't go to medical school. I didn't sacrifice all these years. I mean, by the time I'm done with fellowship, it's going to be almost like 20 years worth of schooling. 
I didn't go through all of this to just be an average doctor. I refuse. I have phenomenal colleagues. I have phenomenal doctors that I've worked under and learned from, but I refuse to be just like the typical doctor. You know, I want to make an impact. And that's why I do what I do, you know, personally with fitness and nutrition, because how dare I tell someone to live a healthier life if I can't do it myself? You know, so I take pride in not only talking it, but walking it. You know, and I have probably one of the business schedules you can imagine. You know, even when I'd be post 24 hour call, I would still work out that next day while most people just want to sleep all day. Yeah. You know, um, so it's definitely a mix, but I definitely do get to those dark places where it's late at night. I'm studying for, you know, a board exam currently. I'm studying stuff for the GI fellowship. And I think, you know, and I think about all those comments, even when I would rotate on the GI service. Um, I would be up at four in the morning driving to the hospital, you know, many night, uh, many mornings I was just in tears, you know, because I'm asking myself, is it worth it? I have so-and-so telling me, good luck. You're not going to get accepted to this fellowship, but I thought about all of it, you know, and you know, it's, um, it's so interesting. And you kind of got my mind going as you were talking about this. There's that transition period when you go from finding fuel off the people who say that you can't and people who are projecting their own limitations and then realize that you do what you do for those who support you and those are who are behind you. And I feel like I could relate to that a lot. You know, there was definitely a, a big portion of what I did for myself was fueled by constantly being told that I can't or that I won't. And then I got to a point where I accomplished those things. And then I realized like there was a lot of value in continuing to do them for the people who continue to support me. Um, and, you know, my question is it almost feels like it's easier when you're surrounded by people who tell you that you can't. And when you're, when you're now kind of embracing the people who support you, it, it almost, it, it's almost a little harder to crack new new codes or to like get to that next level. Is that something that you agree with or is it is it just me because like at the end of the day like those those people who project self-limiting beliefs like little do they know that they are giving you like ammo every single time. You said it, ammo. I thrive. I thrive off of these kind of situations. I mean, just up until recently when I you know, tried to get the fellowship, you know, up until the very last second, once I signed my contract, I dealt with these things. So I definitely thrive off of people who have any kind of limitations that they try and put on me, you know, even during residency, right? I'm with, I'm no different than the other doctors I work with. We all have the same 24 hours. And all the time, they'll tell me, oh, how do you have time? There's no way you're going to have time to go to gym. I don't have time, this and that. Okay, no problem. You don't. I do. And I'm doing it. So I definitely thrive off of, I thrive off more when I have those doubts because it just, it, it pushes me. And at the same accord, yes, I'll do it for those that support me. But really that main drive is from those that just say, you can't do it. I love that because when they tell me that I can't, not only do I do it, I do it more and I do it better. Yeah. Yeah. And I continue to prove, you know, humbly, I can say this. With all my downfalls, I've continued to prove it time after time after time. Yeah. Yeah. No, once you have that formula down, um, there's no walking away from it at that point. 
Um, and you apply it really to everything that you do in life. And that's something that I've noticed about you too, as much as, you know, at the forefront, you, you see, um, you know, what you do in terms of your career, but I also see you doing it at the gym. And I also see you doing it in terms of how you handle your interpersonal relationships. Like, you know, when it comes to handling your own interpersonal relationships, you've never swayed from being the person that you are. Um, and, and, and that's something that's always kind of, uh, struck me about you is that um, you you do things the right way because you truly believe um, in uh, in building character and integrity um, and and letting that lead the way. Um, and so, kudos to you for kind of um, applying it across the spectrum in your life. Keep the same energy, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. Like for me, I can't stand people that are. You know, they act a certain way towards one group or to this person, to that person, or they treat this part of their life one way versus another. You know, for me, it's keep the same energy all across the board. I am who I am. Some people don't like it. Some people are intimidated by it. Some people look at it in the wrong way. It's nothing that I'll ever change. You know? I believe I believe it was Jay Z. I am what I am. You could like it or love it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And hey, look, that's how you keep people around you that you know are quality people and that actually care for you. Yeah. I've lost many people along the way. Yeah. Oh, and I've lost out on many oppor- you know, friendships and X, Y, and Z because I didn't conform to what you know they would like in in someone, and yeah. I refuse to ever settle. You know, yeah. you owe it to yourself not to do that. No, you're absolutely right. And I think that um, that's a distinguishing factor, I think, amongst a lot of people who succeed in their crafts is on the outside, it could seem like, oh, they must have a lot of people around them. But the truth of the matter is, in order to really achieve your goals and to get to where you want to go, it's like a process of just dropping people like along the way and you know kind of refining that circle and when you get to where you're at you might be surrounded by just a handful of people who are able to um stay true to uh your core values and and so that's something that's really unique to i think success and i think that's one of the misconceptions out there is a lot of times people see successful people and they assume they must have a lot of people around them. But I think successful people, especially people who are really distinguished in their industries or in their crafts, are probably pretty lonely uh, because it requires that. Any thoughts on that? No, look, that's spot on. You know, I in life, I've learned this. You know, I had to disconnect myself to connect the dots. So, you know, as I went through everything in life, right, there were many times I could have dropped the gym and just went out and partied with people. Could have drank food, this and that, but it would have brought no value in my life, right? Many times, even in med school, same thing, right? Instead of being at the gym or studying late at night, uh, or excuse me, instead of going out, partying with everyone, I stayed home. I kept to myself. You know, I had a nice home cooked meal and I would study. And along the way, I realized that, yeah, you do have to be a little bit selfish in order to grow. You know, especially if you have people around you who aren't in the same mind state as you and they just don't get what you yourself envision. You know, you can't keep those people around you. 
you know, or you can't just conform yourself for them. And then that's how you lose sight of your own goal. Yeah. Right. There are many opportunities. Many times I've been, you know, made fun of or tried, you know, people try to peer pressure me to do X, Y, and Z, skip this, skip that. And I refused. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's exactly what you said. It, it definitely can be lonely, but there's beauty to it. Yeah. Going back, I, I don't need a whole crew. I don't need a whole, you know, entourage to carry me. You know, I'm my own man. But at the same time, I think it's important being a man of the people, you know, at the same time. Um, but for myself, yeah, I have a very, very small, tight-knit crew. And it's only gotten lower as the time has gone. You know, just a lot of people don't understand what it is that I'm trying to accomplish in life. And if you're not with it, that's okay. No problem. You know, yeah. I wish you the best of luck. You're not paying my bills. You're not paying for the watches that I want to buy, the cars, the house, what I want to do for my own fan, whatever it is, doesn't yeah. matter. You're not doing that for me. I am. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's why I always live by that phrase. Sometimes I have to disconnect myself. You know, I have to disconnect to connect the dots. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, as you were thinking, as you were speaking about that, it's a different kind of quote unquote loneliness. Like there's solace and there's peacefulness to it. Um, and it's not the kind of loneliness that, you know, leads you to to ask yourself, like, why doesn't anyone like me? It's more around like, you know, you're following your own internal higher calling. And um, you know, it, it's 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 yours. Like not a lot of people are going to be able to get to that level. Um and so you know, that makes complete sense. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, where you see yourself going in terms of uh, aligning your passion for fitness with your career. And I see you've been doing a little bit of that already, but let's kind of give the audience some insight. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely stepped out of my comfort zone with that. You know, I'm not a big social media guy. But I realized that I have a skill, I have an opportunity that I can take advantage of to really make a difference. You know, kind of like what I said before, um, I didn't go through all of medical school, all of this training, just to be the typical general doctor that comes in and out, sees his patients, writes some prescriptions, and that's it. No way. And also, I didn't commit, you know, a lot of my life really to fitness and nutrition and just let that go to waste too, right? Where it's not about being selfish in that aspect is I should take that so I can help others. So now that I'm transitioning, I'm gonna be, you know, starting my fellowship in gastroenterology. My goal is to, like I said before, showcase that I not only, you know, talk it, but I walk it so that, and I've had many patients, they've seen me, they've seen how I present myself, and they say, hey, you know, you look good. Tell me, tell me, you know, what is it that I can do? How can I be healthier? You know, it, it strikes them a bit versus some of my other colleagues with all due respect. Um, you know, so besides handling the gastroenterology aspect of, you know, the medical part, you know, dealing with those with colon cancer, ulcers, these kind of things, right? GI issues. Um, I want to now be able to take what I know and work with patients and work with people to just make them healthier. I don't want them to be started on the cholesterol medications. You know, I want them to get 
better and healthier so that they don't need to get to that stage. I don't yeah. want to help you when you're already there. Yeah. I want to help you before. You. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's all about preventative. Don't get me wrong. Look, there are medications that people do need to take for X, Y, and Z disease states, but I think a lot of it can be avoided. Um, and I think, and that's, that's what I think my calling is, you know, even a company that I just joined recently, a telehealth platform, I've been able to work with so many individuals, you know, especially a lot of bodybuilders, um, who focus a lot on the outside, but not internally. And when they're able to sit down with me, knowing that there's no judgment because I understand what it is that they're doing, they feel more comfortable with me and they're more willing to listen to me. Hey, you know, you got to just calm down with X, Y, and Z. Hey, you got to do this a little bit better. Hey, I would cut back on this. They do it. You know, I've had many people already just within these six to eight months, you know, have had follow-ups with me, come back to me and say, hey, I'm off my blood pressure meds. You know, hey, look at my blood work, my kidney function, my liver function, all looks good. You know, Um, so that's, that's kind of the approach that I I want to take it, I'm taking it, and I plan on doing even more with it, for sure. As a runner, there's nothing I love more than to explore new areas when I travel. For years, I've had to deal with the hassle of packing up loads of sweaty, smelly, wet articles of clothing on my way back home. And for years, I believed that there was no better option than the plastic bag that I had to scour to find on the last day of my trip. Then. I was introduced to the camera bag and it changed everything about how I travel. Designed for us all, from yogis to endurance athletes and everyone in between, Cama's premium signature bag layers innovative fabrics that preserve your favorite gear for all your activity to come. The Cama bag is constructed using durable, high quality fabrics. Surrounded by a thick waterproof shell, the unique inner layers work together to absorb odor and wick moisture. Gone are the unpleasant smells, bacteria growth from sustained wetness, and those single-use plastic bags that quite frankly accomplish nothing. Visit www.camafit, spelled C-A-M-A-F-I-T dot com, and use code MILE40 to take 15% off your order and enjoy the endless odor and moisture-free days ahead. The Cama bag absolutely changed the game for me as a runner, and I know it will do the same for you. I want to ask you really quick, and this is from an outsider's perspective. You know, I know a lot of doctors and a lot of people who've been through med school. um, And I feel like the environment that was cultivated throughout med school and into the career makes it very difficult for doctors to not only just be healthy, but to even avoid going down the route of, you know, drinking more than more than other careers for instance uh just because your free time is so limited and you probably need to uh let loose a little bit um and i'm not you know i'm not necessarily saying it's the best way to but i feel like there's tremendous pressure um in your field in particular and a lot of times as a patient now like I pick up really quickly on doctors who have bad habits themselves, whether it's bad habits around food, around drinking, around smoking, whatever it may be. Um, And I just want your take on that with regards to, I understand it's an industry that's really slow moving. Like there's not going to be a radical change tomorrow to alleviate any of this. Right. Um, But is it even being talked about? Is it being acknowledged? 
Not at all, to be honest. And that's the unfortunate part. And it's kind of what you, you know, you just said it. These things won't change tomorrow. Probably won't change in a year. They won't maybe change in five years. Yeah. But you know what? So what? Even though I'm one man, you know, I'm one person, I'm one human being. The way I look at it is whatever it is that I can do, you know, you never know who it is that you're going to touch, who it is that you're going to impact that day and the impact they themselves will have. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had many med students that I've taught, you know, during residency and they've seen me, you know, with what I do, you know, on the outside, how I present myself, carry myself. And they've come to me and they said, how do you do it? You know, help me. And I've helped a few of them who've stuck with it and they're as happy as can be because it's exactly what you said, you know, with the medical school route. The issue is there's always something going on. You're always pressured. And not for nothing, you're in a room filled with probably some of the most book smart people. Yeah. So when you're in a room like that, you know, you can feel dumb. For me, look, I'll be honest. I was never the highest score on exams. I'm not the yeah. best test taker. I'm, you know, with all these kind of things. But my work ethic, I will outwork any of them any day. And it shows. And I've had many patients that have, you know, I've had encounters with, and they've had phenomenal educated doctors in the past, but they said their bedside manner sucks. Mm. And that completely turned them off. Yeah. Me, I spend the time with them. I listen to them. I talk to them, you know, understand what it is that they're going through. Dig deep a little bit, you know, never once they asked me, oh, what did you score on your boards? You know, they took how kind I act to them. And, you know, appreciated that and stuck, you know, with it. So, you know, the, the culture of medicine, unfortunately, you know, it, it can be negative at times. Yeah. Especially with thousands of people going unmatched. Look, yeah. I'm no better. I'm no different than anyone else. You know, there's a lot of people who are in my, who weren't, you know, in my shoes, not matching. Like I said, I know people that are coming up to three, four years, you know, and still haven't matched. They're yeah. no lesser than anyone. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that's why, unfortunately, a lot of them, because of the time, we're always studying. We're always doing something. I can't tell you the amount of 24-hour shifts I've had, you know, amount of late nights and late calls and early mornings, rounding on 30 patients. I mean, the pandemic itself was a whole nother beast. Yeah. You know, there's no time with that. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's why, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of them will de-stress in that way. But for me, it was it was never my thing. Yeah. Never my thing. Discipline obviously plays a big factor here. Yeah. What, where was your discipline instilled from? Yeah. I think from an early age. So growing up, you know, both my parents worked extremely hard. You know, they didn't have the best of jobs. You know, we grew up, to be honest, you know, uh, we grew up quite poor. You know, I never had the nicest things, the fanciest things. I never was able to do extracurriculars and camps and vacations, none of that. Um, you know, we always lived in a tiny, you know, bed, one like studio apartment in Queens. And then, uh, you know, it wasn't until maybe I was roughly in college, almost med school where, you know, by the grace of God, my father was able to accomplish what he accomplished and provide for me, you know, provide for my mom. So she didn't have to work, but the discipline came from seeing that because I knew what it felt like being poor. I saw how hard both my parents worked just to put food on the table, you know, just to, to get those Christmas gifts, never knew how, 
you know, but they somehow did it. And then, you know, along the way, as my father became more successful, thankfully, you know, we started, you know, getting nicer things and X, Y, and Z started living a different life. I saw even the work ethic with that. So for me, I said, I have no excuse in life. You know, my father's given me everything. You know, my parents, both of them have given me everything. I have no excuse in this life to not work hard. You know, it's shame on me and it's a slap in their face. So I always keep that in my mind. You know, I always keep that in my mind. My, I'm way more well off than what, you know, my dad was when he was younger. He didn't have a dad. You know, his dad died, I think, when my dad was like four years old. Wow. You know, so he grew up not having a father, yeah. right? Um, so he already was at a disadvantage than me. So I take that at times and I, I no excuses. You know, there should never be any excuse not to work hard. Yeah. You know, it's, it's exactly what you said. You know, I take that discipline. I take that work ethic with anything I do, you know, and I always say this, if God wills it, then you should do it. You know, you have, like I said, I'm no special than anyone else. Yeah. It's just, I'm given an opportunity. You know, there's thousands of people just trying to even get into medical school, yeah. right? You know, low demographic area, socioeconomic status. Right. And unfortunately, they'll never get there. They're no different than me, no lesser than me. I have the opportunity, you know, so shame on me if I don't capitalize and take advantage and work my butt off every day for it. Absolutely. I mean, you hit all the points. I can't can't even really say anything to that. And, um, you know, anyone that knows you knows that you are discipline personified. I mean, you know, there's the book out there, Atomic Habits by James Clear. And, you know, you you knock it on the head with regards to how you go about every aspect of of your life. And um I I know personally how impactful your parents have been on you. And so instead of going the route and, and asking you about some of the people that you look to for inspiration, let me ask you with regards to um, you know, as we close this out, just some of the mantras that you live by or some of the things that uh, keep you inspired in terms of messaging? Yeah. So, you know, really what keeps me going or the one of the models I love to live by is it's always about the hard work. You never know who's going to be watching you. You know, even when you're at your lowest, you think this is impossible. This is too tough for me. I can't. That's that moment where a lot of people break. And when you stick with it, that's how you succeed, right? So that's one of the things I like to live by. Um, and really just, you know, mantra-wise, or, you know, things I love to live by is, I, and I've said this before, you know, I see a lot of patients that are just sick, bed-bound, intubated. You know, they can't breathe on their own. They need a feeding tube just to eat. So how dare I create any excuse for myself to say, oh, I'm too tired to go to the gym today. You know, there's people out there, right, who wish they were in residency. How dare I make the excuse, oh, I'm working too many long hours. You know, shame on me for that. Um, you know, so those are the definitely the things that I like to live by. Like I said, if God wills it, then you do it because there's someone out there who wishes they were in the position that you were in. That's right. And you, you know, keep that in your mind, that should always make you do more and more and more. You're absolutely right. I always tell people that 
you know, regardless of how bad you think your hand is, there's always someone out there who will take your hand gladly um, with a smile on their face and uh, be eternally grateful for it. Um, and if you have that perspective, you realize that um, you can do anything that you set your mind to. So just to kind of round it out for the audience out there, um, Andrew's really just kind of a rock star in so many respects. But what I absolutely loved about him, and one of the things that he said earlier on in this, is his ability to embrace failure. He failed his MCATs, he then failed his boards, and then he did not get accepted into a residency. And if you were to ask any person who went down the medical route and gave them you know, that list of failures, I'm sure they'd all be scratching their heads right now as to how this dude got to where he is today. And so I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for coming on board today. You know, I, I feel like you left the crowd with an abundance of wisdom. Um, and I'm personally grateful for the message that you brought on to the Mile 40 podcast. No, I appreciate it. And look, I want to give you your flowers too, because as you know, you always give it to your guests. You deserve those flowers as well. I mean, look at what you're doing. You know, I remember when you first started getting involved with the fitness aspect. I remember very well. I was probably your first supporter, right? You were right up there. And, you know, look at what you're doing. Look at the platform that you have, all the money you've raised, all the awareness you raised, right? For leukemia and cancer and the, all the marathons you've done. You know, that's inspiring. You know, when I see that, I'm like, man, I'm about to go do some cardio right now. When I've seen the fundraisers you've done, that inspired me to create my own, right? Um, so I thank you for doing what you're doing, you know, the platform that you have, because you never know who it can help, right? And just like your book says, right, break barriers. That's what life's about. That's how you grow in life, you know? So I thank you once again and give you your flowers for everything that you're doing. You know, it's Thank great. you, brother. Great. I love thank it. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mile 40 Podcast, go ahead, subscribe, leave a review, and share the word. Thank you for being a part of the Mile 40 family. And let's unite in showing the world that comebacks are always greater than setbacks.